pair of sluggers return from the COVID IL and an overlooked outfielder could make a splash. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had the uh, three O'Brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy. Three. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, August 5th. I'm Al Melchior, and I am here with Derek Van Riper and DVR, a couple of, well, it feels like long-awaited returns, but, you know, it can't be that long because the season's uh, still kind of young. But uh, nonetheless, Juan Soto and Austin Meadows both activated from the COVID injured list. Austin Meadows getting right into game action with the Rays going two for four. Juan Soto not appearing in the starting lineup for the Washington Nationals, uh, although he did... Uh, uh, get uh, all over Twitter by dancing on top of the dugout. So that was cool. <laughs> it's it's good to see that he's in uh, good spirits and having fun while he's out there. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully in the lineup soon enough. So uh, good news uh, on both of those accounts. Not such good news for Roberto Osuna. It's been recommended that he gets Tommy John surgery. He's going to go for a second opinion, but uh I mean, there's just, um, you know, seemingly no way that he pitches in 2020. And, uh, you know, it seems like there's a decent likelihood that he gets a Tommy John surgery. So I I realize we've gone over this ground before, knowing that Ozuna was going to be out and talking about saves in Houston. But I think it's still somewhat of an unsettled situation. Uh, What uh, how how do you see this uh, playing out? I think Ryan Presley is the clubhouse favorite to be the guy. And I think he is the most likely to bring Roberto Ozuna quality ratios, but with a higher strikeout rate. I think Ryan Presley could be a top five closer. Like the pieces are there. The problem for most people is that he's not available in their league. I think maybe in eight and 10 team leagues, he's still hanging around in some waiver wires, but in just about any league with 12 teams or more, Ryan Presley was being rostered even before this news came out. Um, So he's by far my favorite. Now I know you were, running the athletic alternate universe Astros for our 2020 season. (laughs) So you're pretty familiar with the ins and outs of this bullpen. What happens if it's not Presley? Who do you think could emerge to be an alternative? Well, yeah, this is something I had to deal with in our alter in our alternate universe because Ozuna was injured in that. And so was Presley, by the way. And I'm actually glad you brought this up because um, I'm actually thinking that Blake Taylor might be somebody to target against, especially since Presley might not be available. But uh, I, I wound up using Chris Davinsky, uh for much of the season, and he was actually really good in the sim. I don't know that he would be that good as a closer in real life in 2020, uh, but Taylor was awfully good. I brought him up from the minors, and he pitched really well in a setup role, and he's been terrific for the Astros so far. So uh, I do worry that Presley, having had some health issues over the last, um, you know, last portion of a season not a whole season really but uh that taylor might be the the next best thing so i'll throw it back to you i mean do you see anybody as a backup plan to presley whether it's that you're concerned about health or just concerned about getting somebody that's available on waivers i'm a little bit intrigued by brian abreu Uh, i think if you look at what he's done as a prospect he's used a little bit more as a starter prior to this season 
But in the 10 appearances he's made with the Astros this season and last, all of those appearances came in relief. He's been pretty good in that role. 15 strikeouts in, I think it's 11 and a third innings, hasn't allowed a home run. Uh, So he might be one of those guys that long-term is actually a starter in this organization, but for 2020 now becomes more of a short relief consideration. And I think of the three appearances we've seen this year from Brian Abreu, two have been less than one inning. So he's not the bulk reliever that some people expected him to be, at least at this point. So lots of different options there. Um, We'll take a look at a couple of other closer situations that uh, still appear to be unsettled. I think that's just going to be a daily feature, most likely, uh, on this show, especially this season. Uh, But another thing that uh, seems to be a daily feature is talking about a top prospect that's gotten called up. So Luis Patino, who, if 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 my memory serves me correctly, I think he's the 10th player out of the MLB.com top 100, who's already been uh, called up this season. So Luis Patino is up with the uh, with the Padres. James Caprellian's up with the Athletics. Uh, both of them are going to at least initially work out of their respective team's bullpens. Uh, but certainly just any chance of um, Patino in particular having a chance maybe to start at some point. I mean, is there any sort of format that you could imagine not pursuing Luis Patino in? Maybe in a 10-team league, it's too thin right now, but he certainly seems like he's good enough to be on a bench if you don't have a lot of injury issues in a league that shallow because I think he does have a couple paths to to the Padres rotation. Joey Lucchese hasn't pitched well. You kind of wonder if he remains a fixture in this rotation as more prospects come up. Patino and Mackenzie Gore are two guys that could be impact starters almost immediately. So I think with Patino beginning in a relief role, I still am intrigued by having him available as a staff filler. He might be optimally used to possibly get a few more wins in this role. And maybe they do something similar to what Oakland just did with Jesus Lazardo, where it's one or two appearances in long relief. And then he replaces the least effective member of the starting five. Yeah, well, and uh, again, remember everybody that DVR was the manager of the alternate universe Padre. So you know what you're talking about with that pitching staff. Uh, and that's, that's an interesting thing to consider. And Luzardo, incidentally, making his major league debut as a starter, obviously he's pitched out of relief or pitched in relief for the uh, athletics, but a very impressive uh, debut as a starter against the Rangers on Tuesday night. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But while we're talking about prospect call-ups, uh, we talked about Joe Adele on Tuesday's show, Michael Beller and myself, and Adele made his debut on Wednesday night for the Angels, already now has his first major league hit. He was batting seventh in the Angels order, starting in right field. And Joe Madden says that Adele's going to be pretty much an everyday player with there being a platoon in left field with Brian Goodwin and Justin Upton. So, you know, we've already talked about Adele, I don't think, that's going to be a surprise to anybody that uh, Adele is, if he's available on waivers, uh, probably won't be there much longer. But Brian Goodwin is widely available. He is batting cleanup, or at least he batted cleanup for the Angels on Tuesday night. And he's going to see a lot of time in, in left field as the uh, you know larger part of that platoon. So where, where do we go and get Brian Goodwin? I think he's still mostly limited to 15-team mixed leagues as a big-side platoon player. I I think losing that playing time really hurts him in a lot of situations that are smaller. You could stream him in a week where the Angels might have a full seven-game slate if they've got at least five matchups against righties because that means he's playing a good deal of that time. It's kind of surprising to me that Justin Upton has fallen to the small side of the platoon, but it is a 
complicated and loaded offense when everybody's available. Shohei Otani, of course, day-to-day right now uh, as a hitter, probably won't pitch again for the rest of this season, barring something unforeseen. So, you know, I think Otani is going to probably occupy a regular spot in the mix once he's healthy. So I kind of wonder if Goodwin also gets squeezed a little bit once Otani's back in the fold. You know, I think that's a concern. And when I look at Goodwin's underlying numbers this season, uh, he's kind of picked up right where he left off last year, uh, just under 88 miles per hour at the average exit velocity. There is a decent bit of swing and miss in his game, but not an overwhelming strikeout rate. Does walk a little bit. So uh, it's, it's an interesting profile. I'm just worried that it's too crowded a situation for him to be rosterable consistently in leagues with 15 or fewer teams. Yeah. And, and part of that profile would add is that he's a line drive hitter. So that does take a little bit of the sting out of the strikeout rate. Uh, shouldn't be a, an albatross in terms of batting average, but probably won't be a, a particularly an asset in that category either. So that's what really intrigues me about Goodwin. But, you know, Good, good point. That's well taken in terms of the possible squeeze on his playing time. I've uh, got some news in regards to the Twins' rotation. Rich Hill has been placed on the injured list with shoulder fatigue, but his likely replacement is going to be Jake Odorizzi, uh, who's currently on the IL with an intercostal issue, but he may return as soon as this weekend to make a start against the Royals. So, uh, probably solidifies things for uh, Randy Dobnak, maybe uh, Lewis Thorpe in that rotation for the time being. But uh, yeah, I don't think the the Twins are going to have to you know plumb their depths uh, to to bring up another starter with Odorizzi being close to returning. Uh, Michael Beller and I talked about Robinson Cano on the Tuesday show. He had been hitting really well so far this season. Got hurt uh, on Monday. And on Tuesday, placed on the aisle by the Mets with a left adductor strain. And Jeff McNeil and Ahmed Rosario also still out. So I guess that's just a situation that we watch day to day. I would think Brian Dozier probably the big playing time beneficiary with Cano out. Uh, any interest there or uh, a different take on that situation altogether? Now, I think you've got it right with Dozier, but I think... As they get the rest of their middle infield healthy, Jeff McNeil, Ahmed Rosario with day-to-day injuries right now, I think Dozier kind of falls back into a part-time role again. So probably just a a daily moves, really deep league sort of short-term pickup. All righty. And a little bit more clarity on the Marlins and Cardinals situations. Of course, Marlins back in action with a win on Tuesday night against the Orioles. Uh, Cardinals still on pause, of course, until at least Friday. Uh, But we now know uh, who uh, was placed on the injured list. They placed uh, five players on the COVID injured list, most notably Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung. Uh, Carlos Martina also, Martinez excuse me, also on the injured list, although uh, the issue has not yet been disclosed for Martinez. As far as the Marlins, uh, I think there was some anticipation in terms of seeing who was going to be on the roster, who was going to be on the injured list. So I think the most notable players moved to the injured list, Sandy Alcantara and Caleb Smith. So, Definitely going to be uh, a couple of new faces in that Marlins rotation, but uh, Pablo Lopez just lights out uh, with the Marlins returning on Tuesday night. So let's go to the Tuesday standouts, and I'm going to make Lopez the uh, the marquee player on the list uh, for this group. Uh, five scoreless innings with seven strikeouts against the Orioles. Uh, how much are you waiting the the matchup for this one for uh, for Lopez? Pretty heavily. I mean, I think Lopez is interesting because he's still just 24 years old. He has three pitches. He has at least 
average-ish command, maybe a tick below, but because he's had good results at minor league stops, he's flashed occasionally being really effective in the big leagues. It feels like there's something there, even though some of the underlying numbers are quite a bit better than the results. You see high swinging strike rates, but you don't see a high strikeout rate to always go along with it. You see good walk rates, so that's nice. Uh, But again, the command isn't necessarily great. It's just kind of okay. So maybe it's the projectable growth. Maybe it's the fact that half the time he'll start in a pitcher-friendly environment in Marlins Park, and you can use him in spots like the one we saw on Tuesday night in those matchups against bottom five or bottom six offenses because he's good enough to do well in those spots. So definitely a viable pitcher for most mixed leagues, but not necessarily a guy who sticks on the roster consistently in more shallow formats. Well, I think that's some pretty sound analysis, but I do have him in a couple leagues, so I'd really like to see Pablo Cruz. <laughs> that's great. Yacht rock pun. Yeah. Get them where, where, when you can, you know, when those opportunities present themselves. Uh, sticking with the Marlins here, John Birdie. Here, this is a, this is an impact I honestly I didn't think much about with Isan Diaz opting out, but Birdie got the start in Diaz's place at second base, picked up a couple of hits and a stolen base, which is you know in fantasy that's what you're really looking for Birdie to do. So, do you see Birdie maybe uh, playing every day from this point out, and does that maybe make him more relevant in, in twelve teamers? I think it's possible, and I didn't think it was really possible prior to Diaz opting out and you know the rash of players who are unavailable as a result of the pandemic. I looked at John Birdie as a guy that was basically rosterable only in NL-only formats as a, a source of cheap speed. He's versatile enough to find playing time even when he doesn't have a job to call his own, but now I think he does have a job to call his own, and I wonder... How small of a league do you think about picking him up? I mean, this is a guy that last season, just 73 games, was 17 for 20 as a base dealer, hit for a solid 273 average, got on base at a 348 clip, so he might not get buried in the lineup. Um, He's got an up arrow next to his name for sure. He's going to be in the ads and drops columns almost certainly this weekend. Is is he viable in 12-team mixed leagues at this point? I mean, I think that's at least worth considering given how difficult it is to find speed. Yeah, I think we got to watch this week and see you know, how often he uh, gets the green light. That's going to be critical. Um, granted, it's not a lot of time to really make that judgment, but that's just how it is this season. And uh, staying in the NL East, Howie Kendrick with a four-hit game against the Mets. I think a very similar situation to what we discussed earlier with the Angels outfield. Kendrick should play every day based on what he can do, but uh, if you have Varric Thames coming back, uh, you've got him there in the first base mix. You've got his Dribble Cabrera. um uh, you got Carter Keyboom in the, the infield kind of clogging things up further. So that's another one. We're just going to have to see how that plays out. And we mentioned Jesus Lazardo a little bit earlier. Five scoreless innings with five strikeouts against the Rangers in his first major league start. But I, I want to dwell on a couple more closer situations. It looked like Brad Hand and Craig Kimbrell maybe were already out of their closer roles, but both of them got a shot at saves on Tuesday night. Hand converted his against the Reds. Uh, Craig Kimbrell only getting one out uh, and replaced by Kyle Ryan. So uh, with Hand, no whiffs on 13 pitches. Velocity up a little bit, but uh, do you think he's out of the woods at this point? I would say he's still in the woods, at least one (laughs) foot in the woods or hasn't packed up the tent just yet. I mean, I think... James Karinchak, as we talked about, is one of the just all-around nastiest relievers out there in terms of his ability to miss bats. And I think 
having that kind of at the ready keeps Brad Hand in a position where if he continues to struggle, if he's not getting swings and misses, if he's giving up runs, I think they could make a switch maybe after one more blow up. I mean, I think a string of nice outings might offer up a little bit more buffer for Brad Hand, but I think there's still a, a caution light on as far as that closer situation goes. Yeah, and when you see the caution light, you got to go to the garage, go to the uh, mechanic and see what's going on there. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, let's get to today's featured read uh, from Eno Saris. Who could it be now? It is not his tribute to Men at Work. It's a really cool game. He's actually... Uh, sort of uh, invented or at least modified from something I guess they do on MLB Network. Um, but check it. It's, it's a fun game. So just read the article. Who could it be now? Guess the player from a few key numbers. That's Eno Saris. So that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off of your subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything that we do is a part of your subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we would certainly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will be right back here on Thursday. 